Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Zach Ivanesh is the founder of the Underground Strength Gym, creator of the Underground Strength Coach Certification, and author of the Encyclopedia of Underground Strength and Conditioning. The guy also has his own podcast, where a conversation about strength and conditioning is going on. Zach Ivanesh is a part of it. Though he's been the owner of Underground Strength Gym for nearly two decades, he has also found time to be the head strength and conditioning coach for Lehigh University Wrestling, as well as the Rutgers University Wrestling Program. He got his undergraduate degree from King University and his graduate degree, his master's in health education from Montclair State. Most importantly, however, Zach is all in in the strength and conditioning world. He cares about people, he cares about relationships, he understands human performance from the physiological as well as the psychological level, and he is impacting lives by the thousands. His energy is contagious, and I hope the audio does a good job of picking it up, but when we were in conversation recently, his voice and passion spill over through the phone lines. And if you find him on social media, you'll see that passion reflected in unique, intense, valuable, and creative training methods. The young people under Zach's watch in New Jersey are getting the education of a lifetime. Tune in for the story of elite strength coach, elite human being, and friend of the Good Athlete Project, Zach Evenesh. To find out more about the Good Athlete Project, find us on social media at Coach the Number Four Kindness. That's Coach for Kindness, or at GoodAthleteProject.com. Okay, so uh, in high school. Uh, I got into wrestling. My brother coerced me into that, and uh, I had really fell in love with the training. And back then, it was bodybuilding stuff, and there was a lot of uh, bodybuilding gyms in my area, and I just fell in love with it. And unfortunately, it was really the way I trained was completely wrong for what I needed to do for wrestling, and um, it led to just a lot of subpar performance and a lot of confusion, and... um, when I got to uh, college, I immediately got into coaching. So my freshman year in college, I was young. I was 17. I didn't turn 18 till December. So right before I turned 18, I was already coaching the town recreation uh, wrestling program. So I got immediately into coaching. Yeah. And um, by my sophomore year, I got into bodybuilding competitions. And uh, then when I wanted to get back to wrestling, um, like I remember making up my mind to do it. It was like that week they announced that they're cutting the wrestling program from title nine. And the program was, was an amazing program there. When I was a freshman, I didn't want to wrestle. I was like, I'm done with this. I was really just like angry with all the injuries and the lack of success. Mm -hmm. And they finished sixth in the country that year. That head coach retired. A new head coach came in. And it, the program went like really crazy. They wrote about it in the school newspaper where the the coach quit in the middle of the season, and then the kids finished the season without a coach. They coached wow. themselves, and it was like something you'd read or watch in like a bad movie. Yeah. And then they announced that they're cutting the program. And I still remember, as a phys ed t- uh, major, we had to take a semester of gymnastics. Our gymnastics instructor was a two-time All-American from Kane. And um, I remember saying, I said, Mr. Gonzalez, if you coach wrestling, like, I'm on, I am on. And he said, nah. He goes, this school doesn't want a wrestling program. 
And I didn't get it at the time. That was 96. I didn't understand, you know, really what he was saying that they don't want it. But it was, you know, looking now, they probably had nobody showing up for matches. Hmm. It was just yeah. tough, you know. And I watched many Division three programs get cut back then in New Jersey. I mean, there was like Rutgers, New- Rutgers Camden, Montclair. Um, the only program that still exists, Division three that has always been was College of New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and they started a new program at a school called Centenary, which is like North Jersey, kind of getting close to Pennsylvania. So wrestling has been my passion. Um, but the athletes we train are everyone, swimmers, lacrosse. I've trained guys. I trained these guys that were fencers that were competing internationally, nice. won the Pan Am Games, uh, judo, jiu-jitsu, um, MMA guys, a lot of football, soccer, a lot of baseball, um, swimming, like I said. I mean, I'm trying to think of a sport I haven't. You haven't well, some, yeah. Not too many girls come to the gym, but the girls that do just crush it. Uh, the girls are swimmers, soccer, track and field athletes, um, trying to think what else. No softball, but the girls that do show up at our gym, they crush it. Yeah, for sure. They kill sure it. Yeah. That, I, I, think that's really, I think that's really cool and refreshing to see. Like, uh, no bones about it. Your approach is raw. It's uh, by from an outside perspective looking in hardcore. It's the kind of thing that I like to be a part of, but I will tell yeah. you like – I told uh, uh, my girlfriend that we were having you on the podcast. She was like, oh, is that the guy that swears a lot? I was like, you're damn right it is. Uh, yeah, I've been really keeping it clean. I think I haven't cursed it- <laughs> on a video since um, the springtime. I is that think. right? Dude, yeah. and, no, and no judgment about that. And just so like uh, for those tuning in that, that uh, do know, this is a good segue into like uh, training philosophy and all that stuff. Sure. Um, the Good Athlete Project, like we don't want to be – we're not like squeaky clean. We're not talking about like button up and like whatever, good good in that way. We're talking about capitalizing the momentum of an athlete who wants to be good at his or her sport and yep. help steer them in the direction of stuff that's going to set them up uh, for success and, and uh, commitment to community for the rest of their lives. Uh, that, for, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you swear. You know, we got the same question for the, the power athlete guys who we love and we're excited to go down there in December. Um, they're like, wait, is, uh, you know, is that the, is that like the cracked flaming skull guys? And we're like, yeah, but like what it is, is our, our logo is all about, I don't have my hat on that. Alex does. It's all about like intentionality, right? And those guys and you absolutely like you think through all this stuff. And, and I think one of our concerns is that a lot of coaches out there are just doing just, they're just kind of winging it. Uh, they're being reactive, uh, you know, they're reacting to a kid instead of designing a culture and an environment for the kid to succeed in. Um, yeah. so that's or they're just, or they're just kind of training for this sport, this season. They're not really taking how powerful the weight room could be or just training in general it doesn't have to be in the weight room. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, you know, going back to the cursing thing, I just found that I'm so fired up and so passionate and I have such a dislike towards good enough or the accepting of mediocrity that uh, it get, it gets guys like me very fired up because um, I want to train every athlete in my town. I want every local high school in my weight room. I want to train them, not because I, 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 but I know that through kind of the experience that they will have in training and being coached and mentored, 
and the bonding that they're going to get with the other athletes and being around everybody on the same page, it will, it will change their life. And the way that hit me was in my early years of coaching as a strength coach, I was seeing a lot of our athletes achieve all conference, all county, all state, even winning state titles. But then they wouldn't compete in college or they would um, get into the wrong crowd and they would you know, get involved with drugs and gangs. And I remember having like an inner internal conversation with myself that, um, wow, um, this gym is really not that successful because um, we're able to help athletes achieve, you know, these uh, accolades in sports. But now this kid's getting arrested. This kid's in gangs. That kid got murdered. Um, This kid dropped out of college. Um, Or this kid, I see him four years later and I don't recognize him. He gained like 60 pounds. Right. And, and it just showed me that this has to go so much deeper than strength and conditioning. And I think those early years when I was first opened the underground strength gym, there wasn't really too many people doing strength and conditioning, not just in New Jersey, but in general, there wasn't a lot of it. There was kind of like some one-on-one personal training studios for adults. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so you're, it was almost like, I don't want to say we're getting away with it, but I was able to focus solely on strength conditioning. I'm training you for sport. I want to train you to be a hammer. That was my thought process. Yeah. Now I'm really looking at things much deeper. Um, and you guys, you know, you have the Good Athlete Project. And I talk a lot about the strong life. And mm-hmm. I love what you guys do. And it's inspiring to me because I feel like I want to take something like a Strong Life Academy mm-hmm. where it is – kind of hit me when my wife said something to me where I was training a kid and she's like, uh, you saved that kid. Yeah. And meaning you see these kids walking to and from school with their head down, no eye contact, headphones in, you know, they mumble when they talk to you, they can't shake your hand, like really, you know, awkward social skills. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started realizing, wow, okay. Like this is a lot more than just uh, helping this kid, become like the starting linebacker on the football team. And what's interesting, Jim, is um, I live in a town that's been considered uh, a suicide cluster, it's called. Or um, I'm going back to working in the schools, and what's interesting is they we had to watch a suicide prevention video. Mm-hmm. And my town is in the video, and they wow. called it a suicide contagion, which sounds really extreme, right? Yep. But... Um, what inspires me about all this strength and conditioning stuff is that it's, it's strength and conditioning on the surface, but then how do we take that and, and allow it to apply to changing lives? Like you listen to, you mentioned the guys at Power Athlete. When you listen to John speak, you can just consistently hear how he's applying the lessons of the weight room, the lessons of training under George Zangus in a garage, the, the lessons of football. And then he just applies it to life. And that's why he achieves what he achieves. Like, it's just not an accident. He had the right mentors. He was in the right environment. He obviously had, you know, great parenting. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, involved in that recipe. And uh, in the town that I live in, I really try to uh, implement my gym as a vehicle and share it with administrators in town, counselors in town. And we just can't even get a response to an email it's kind of it's 
kind of weird. So that's yeah. what inspired me to get back to the schools is my whole thing was always change the lives of these kids. And it's, it's, and I don't want to say, I know if the word unfortunate is correct, but not everybody in the school is the best person for the job. You know, the school that you're in, man, I would love to shake the administration's hands for saying we need Jim in that building. We need an expert. And I, when I listen to your podcast on the guys with the guys at power athlete, like I can't remember what the number was, but you have trained so many people like your experience and knowledge and skills. And also you're doing stuff in corporate. It's like you bring so much to the table, which no disrespect to a coach who's running the weight room, but there's, it's just a different level. You know, it's like a chef running, you know, a five-star kitchen in Chicago or New York city compared to probably the new guy running something in the small local town. No disrespect. We started, but so, you know, it's, or a doctor who's got yep. so much knowledge and experience. And that's to me is like that window of opportunity to impact these kids. Mm -hmm. It's not something I take lightly and I don't take it lightly because now that I'm a father, I see how school impacts my kids yeah. and, and also how fast time goes. And it's like, okay, my kid is spending more than half his day in that building. Yep. So guess what? There's a lot of pressure on you to do something awesome for my kid. I don't care that you have 200-something other students, but if you're going to be a teacher or a coach in a school, you can't just pull the information off a website. You can't just follow what's on YouTube or on stack.com. And the, all those resources are great, yeah. but, man, like – my knowledge comes in as 30 years of my own training and training mm -hmm. thousands of kids. And I'm like, okay, I need to come up with my inspiration. Now my motivation is building some sort of a system that gets me into a school and then takes it to a state level because I'm going to, I know I'm rambling. So no, I no. showed you those, I showed you those old magazines, Jim. What's interesting about those old magazines is while I was going through them, there's like so many weight gain supplements like crash, everything was basically shouting, Hey, you're probably too skinny. Mm. We don't have that problem anymore. As you right, know, right. there's, there's very few people that are too skinny. We are, I don't know how old you are, Jim. I'm 42 and a half, but I always have this conversation with Jim Steele. I say, okay, in elementary school, you kind of had like one fat kid in the whole grade. <laughs> Right. Then it then it like uh, evolved into like one fat kid in every class that you had. Now there's kids, you know, I'm not looking at overweight. I'm talking about legitimate, obese, right. fat, unhealthy, out of shape kids. And even though my gym, I don't like to train the kids until sixth grade because of the kind of the emotional um, requirement right. to, mm -hmm. to be in that environment, you know, uh, we've got a serious problem and evidently the schools and, and the, our communities are not fixing it. And, uh, I'm in an area where I feel like I am at war. Like anytime I do something for the town or in the town, they shut it down, but it's a benefit for the kids. Like I take the kids to warm up across the street at a park, played ultimate football. The local recreation department was like haggling me about the whole thing. And I said, I said, look, we're here for something like seven minutes. We play a game to five. There's nobody on the field, on the right. playground. There's nobody there. Right. I said, I thought we're setting a good example. 
We're inspiring other people. I'm insured. I've got all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they wanted me to pay like this hourly thing. I go, I'm not even there an hour a month. I'm there like seven minutes, you know, once or two times a week, weather permitting. I had to get a lawyer. Jeez. I had to get a lawyer. So for what I, what I want to create and the message is, is like, you know, uh, people that are the strength coaches that are in the towns should be utilized for the town, not punished. And if you speak, if you ask enough strength coaches, Jim, hey, you live in Smithville, Alabama. Your gym is in Smithville, Alabama. How many kids from Smithville High School do you train? They'll often say that they get, you know, less than 5% of the athletes from within that local town, Mm -hmm. which is opposite of what we need, especially in a world where, People want convenience, right? Amazon, Netflix, everything's like the convenience factor. So there's a big missing link in how we could change the health of people with strength coaches and local towns. And, um, you know, just having this conversation, part of me starts saying, well, that's my fault because I'm not an administrator, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't make the final decisions. I became a strength coach. I became a performance coach. So there's also that part of me that's like, man, maybe I need to go back to school and be an administrator to create the change because yeah. then you have the uh, authority. It's kind of it's it's weird though, you it, know. It, it is. It is, and you wish and you <coughs> wish. Um, it it'd be nice to think that it didn't take that, right? Yep. You'd like to think that people would listen to reason, and honestly, that is why. I think I may have told you the story. We were on the phone, with however many weeks ago that was, but like. What I, at the risk of sounding less than humble, like I'm a Harvard graduate, I'm not a PE teacher. Like my right. my 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 career is not wrapped up in that. But I yep. think physical education, in the broadest sense, is like not only it has it gone steeply downhill, but it's the thing that's going to pull us back and out of out of the uh, the valley that we're in and into the successful places that we want to be. Uh, and and I'm and it's not getting challenged because we don't take it seriously enough. And let me backtrack just a little bit and say this. Um, first of all, I, I think you're right. I, I'm going to try to address a bunch of things you just touched on, but one of them is, um, in this immediate gratification culture, we've, we've forgotten about the fact that like to be fit, to be healthy and well, like you don't get fit, you are fit, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. get healthy, you are healthy. Like you, you live a life in a certain way, right? And I think what, uh, what some people, and it's funny that you said, you know, all this stuff really has striking, been striking nerves with me. Cause it's like, yeah, we, we're uh, you know, in the seventies, whatever, or, or before people are too skinny. Now we're like 50% pre-diabetic. It's not just that like you got a bunch of chubby people. It's like the, the millions or billions in healthcare that comes from this. Like we don't see this as a systematic understanding of overall well being. And even yeah. if you like talk to people in administration, like it is not, if you want to achieve at your highest level, but you are not taking care of yourself. Uh, in terms of like, we call it bedrock, eat, move, sleep, right? If you're not, if you are not taking care of nutrition to some extent, uh, you're not moving in proper ways uh, and you're not resting, the flip side of that, if you are malnourished, sedentary and sleep deprived, you're not going to accomplish anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so we, we spend, it's like the paradox of high achievement. It's like we stay up, uh, you know, I was at uh, MIT not too long ago. We're, we're pretty pumped to be doing some work out there. Um, and we've got like literal rocket scientists 
who will wake up in the morning, drink a cup of coffee, eat from a vending machine, not move all day and then stay up till 2 a.m. because they got a project due the next day. And it's like, yeah. oh, you, I love that ambition. I love the passion. I love that they're willing to do that. But, but it's killing they them. they deserve, as like yeah. the future of the country and the world, they deserve to know how these other things could benefit them. And that's yeah. what needs to be taken into schools. It's it's uh, killing them. And yeah, the, the it's killing them. It's like, yeah. it's really a shame. And uh, the... There, what, what we're talking about here is there's too much separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, there's a lot of separation. When I look at things like how, why you know the town has to work together, they got you got to be resourceful. I mean that's why um, certain entrepreneurs succeed because they become resourceful. So I read something in um, I think I read it in the book Willpower Doesn't Work. I think I got it right here. This is an amazing book, Jim. You see it? Yeah. By Benjamin Hardy. By Benjamin Hardy. Now, what it's really about is he's saying, you know why, you know, your willpower, it just, it's like a cup that, it's a glass that's full in the morning, but then you go through your day and and the water begins to diminish. Mm -hmm. Then by the time you get home, your willpower has been exhausted. So you make these bad decisions, start eating poorly, you're too tired to train and so on. So he goes, instead of that, environment is crucial. Yep. So think about this. We could take this in many different – at Harvard, you're, you're surrounded by so many high achievers. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a certain you know, uh, uh, intelligence level that's much more above the norm, that's for sure. But that environment uh, elevates everybody. Um, mm-hmm. If we think about uh, how what CrossFit has done, it is the environment where people are – they it raises the energy level. Yeah. If I look way back to my days of you know early training, I remember like constantly leaving all of these local gyms because I'd go in and the music was turned down low, or you'd hear the commercials and like there was a million rules and nobody had intensity. I was like, I have to get out of here until I finally found this one gym that I I would travel just shy of thirty minutes each way, and then when I got there. The music's pumping. Everybody's working. It doesn't matter if it was 5 a.m., 5 p.m., 9 p.m. at night. Like it was just the environment changed. And so when you are in the right environment, you succeed. Look at winning teams with – I know the school that you're at has a lot of success in athletics. But now take the opposite you know, spectrum. Look at the schools in your area that consistently have a losing record. You know, Mm -hmm. so football team is like – two and eight, four and six, three and seven. It's the environment. The environment has to change. New coaching staff, new kids, new, you know, or maybe they don't even have a strength conditioning, you know, coach, bring in that coach, change the environment. And that changes everything. And uh, people fear change because it creates discomfort. And most humans who haven't done, you know, anything really hard, they, you know, they strive and seek for comfort. Oh, I, we always did it this way. We never did it that way. Well, listen, the reason why Chicago is a thriving city and Los Angeles and New York city and Miami, why are they thriving? Because they evolve with the times. Mm -hmm. But if I drive through the downtown of my town or any other small town, I'll see new businesses every year, every summer, because I don't want to use Facebook. I don't know how to, touch, to use that computer or we, we don't accept credit card. I mean, there's, I don't do email and it's always, I don't do this. We don't do that. Yeah. And it's like, 
Well, you can't expect a different result without changing. So it's like, you know, change must happen. And I look at that for myself too. Like I'm going through like a period right now where I'm like aggressively attending seminars. I've got a business coach. I'm getting into a mastermind. I'm creating a mastermind. So I look back and I was like, oh, those past five years, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to kind of go to the gym, come home. And I got away from the very thing that made me uncomfortable that spurred, you know, it's like the muscles. I had to break down the muscles to rebuild them stronger. Yep. And we're, we fear, you know, like, don't go, don't go buy toilet paper. Just order it on Amazon and somebody will deliver it. Yeah. There's a lot of these kind of, um, we're just creating a lot of excuses and, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, I want, I have this big picture of change I want to create, but before I'm changing outside, I'm trying to change directly what's in front of me. But here, here's another fear I have. We've got, you know, think about, you know, I'm talking about the guys at power athlete, Tex, Luke, Johnny, they owned a gym or John owned the gym, but he shut it down because he felt like it was just too difficult to, always work with people who weren't motivated. He was more motivated than they were. So he moved to the online world where people could be impacted from all around the world. But it's like, man, we, the people who are owning gyms and facilities, they, they struggle a lot because it's hard to find a concentrated area of highly motivated people. You know, everybody's kind of spread out. So environments, you know, an environment is powerful if you yep. could you have to create it and it's that's the challenge <laughs> you're exactly right and i think that's uh it's funny in this day and age i think the the only model is uh change your immediate situation uh essentially prove that you can be effective you've done this john did it and then and then scale uh i i, I have seen a couple things happen just in sort of uh bystander observation type stuff um a lot of people will jump on the scale before they've got their stuff together for yeah. lack of a better term. You know what I mean? They'll be like, yep. I'm going to be a coach to thousands, but you haven't changed one life. You know, like, like you said, I just you saw these kids lives. I just saw that like, um, Joe Polish who runs the genius network just posted on Instagram. He goes, I always hear people saying they're going to change the world. Yeah. But my question to you is, have you changed one person yet? That's it. Start, start there. Like change the life of that one person before you're talking about the world. And he goes, it's great to have big goals. It's very important. Yeah. He's like, but don't uh, become so delusional that you forget that you need to like master all the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, for all the uh, I don't know where you stand on the the, the Gary V fan train or whatever. Uh, I love, I love I was, Gary V. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some great stuff. And I will say. Yep. He's got some stuff that I probably wouldn't recommend. Like Correct. I don't think you can. I don't think you should be advising adolescents to give up sleep, for example. Uh, <laughs> th- but um, the concept, like one of the things he says, like he's seen enough 26, 27 year old gurus who want to show you how they got to this level. It's life garbage. coaches. What's yeah. that? Yeah, t- exactly. Like, a 27 year old life goes, coach. Who, you're a life like, coach at 27. He's like, what? He's like, what have you done? He's like, yeah. are you? Did you move out of your parents' house yet? That's right. That's right. So I like the work ethic that he espouses and encourages. Yeah, I sure. like 
Um, him telling you to constantly audit yourself, find mm-hmm. out who you are, and you will evolve, right? You might feel you are, you know, an entrepreneur, and then down the road, you might feel like being an entrepreneur is not what's best for you. Totally like I, I've gone through that myself, where I was very entrepreneurial. Then I got through a point where I worked much better with teams and four companies mm-hmm. versus uh, being the guy in charge of everybody because I'm not the best manager. I don't like to micromanage, yet I do expect everybody to be great. So I want you to take the Gary V model of research it yourself, study it yourself. If you're not good enough, figure out how to become great. So I love, I love that stuff. I love how he basically wants you to be, you know, he has the immigrant attitude. You know, I wasn't born in this country either. And, um, you know, my parents, of course, you know, were not born in this country. So, but I moved to America at 11 months, but seeing like the work ethic of my parents, my grandparents, that's like, that's what's missing is, um, work ethic and, um, taking all this stuff into account. I, I apply it to parenting and sometimes I feel I'm too tough on my own kids. Other times I realize, uh, wow, I don't probably don't want them to, uh, if I, if I give them an inch, they'll take a yard and then they will become, you know, quote unquote normal. So, you know, sometimes I converse with my wife about, it. I'm like, man, like it's summertime, it's this or that. And uh, she's like, listen, they're not, oh, we can't always let them just do what they want to do. Right. They can't, they don't always like it. Um, like my son, sometimes when I take him to wrestling, it's later in the evening. He's been outside all day. He's exhausted. He's grumpy going there. Then when he gets there, he's like forgets. And then when he leaves, he's just walking tall and proud because yeah. we've got it. We we're lucky to be around a great coach. The kids make him tougher. He gets tougher. It builds his confidence. But that beginning, he didn't want to do it. But he builds this. You know, uh, he builds an infrastructure essentially within himself that. Hey, I'm not always going to want to do X, Y, Z, but only doing what I want to do will not allow me to be a success in, in any of these things, you know, and even, you know, academically, he's more wants to do stuff with the computer. And I say, Hey man, we got to read tonight. Let's read. Daddy's been reading every day since probably age 14. Let's read a little bit of this book together to just get him going. And it's like, if I only do what I want to do, that that won't lead to good things. That's for sure. No, it's funny that you say that. We actually just had uh, – I had a kid yesterday. We were trying to identify what his favorite and least favorite parts of the athletic experience were because we're like uh, – I'm always interested. Like I am, like you, passionate, right? Like I, I, I will lo- – when we're busy in the weight room, I lose my voice because I'm yes. like on it from first session to final session. Um, but – it doesn't always, but, but like bringing passion, bringing energy doesn't mean that you're always like on cloud nine. I love mm-hmm. my job. I think you love yep. your job, but like, but it undulates, it flows. That's the same That's right. with everyone all the time, even within your passion, within relationships, within everything. So we're trying to figure out for this kid who's kind of going like that with his passion for sport and training. Uh, like what, are, what are some of the best and some of the worst parts of your experience? Yeah. And it, like your son, he's like, uh, one of the worst, one of the toughest is like, I'm getting in a groove doing whatever I'm doing and I've got to uproot it, start getting ready for practice, hustle over the field. Like that feeling sucks. And what's the, gotcha. one of the best yeah. parts? Being, a, I, I, I just got out of the shower. 
walking with my gym bag to the car, feeling like I just like pleasantly exhausted. Like I just, I feel good about what I just did. That's yeah. one of the best parts. So, which makes me think, and it sounds like you're running into the same thing. It's like everyone who's involved in it ultimately will get it firsthand. Yep. It's that front end. It's just getting over that small hill to get into it. <clears throat> yeah. It's the preparation. It's the behind. It's like, you know, going to a Broadway show, you know, we get to see, you know, the finished product, mm-hmm. but they spent six months to a year, all the behind the scenes yeah. and that has the ups and downs. And uh, that's where I think, you know, this book, your environment is crucial. So if you're around everybody that's like, Hey, we're, we're, it's a little bit tough right now. We don't need to feel sorry for ourselves. We got a common goal. Let's keep charging forward one yeah. step at a time. But if you're around people who are like, all right, you don't feel good. Just, just quit. Just give up. Like that becomes your normal. And, yeah. um, we're, you know, man, there's so many, there's a lot of obstacles and challenges and I want to come up with answers. And, uh, what's interesting is I started saying, okay, if I can't connect with the local teachers and the local administrators, I'm going to go to the state level. And I actually reached out to, um, you know, the, I, my old college professor is the, uh, he's the, uh, department chair now. And he gave me contacts at the state level and they didn't respond. So it's like, okay, you got to keep getting on these people. My next step is really to go to the mayor and say, listen, I live in a town. I've got a gym in a town. I want, I want to change and impact the kids in this town. How do we do this? And instead, you know, I've gotten past those days of just getting around people and just, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. So I think uh, having like a team getting people on your side is the way to, you know, impact change. Um, and then we've got a, you know, you're in a, in a high school or is, or is it a middle school and high school combined? High school. High school. Yeah. You, you know, <clears throat> the key with those kids, I think, is making sure we create something that keeps them going when they're no longer around that great atmosphere, that great coaching, because they're going to have to start training on their own. They're going to go to college. They're not going to have a coach and whatnot. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see kind of like how guys like us can keep things going and and impact them enough. I saw you sent me something. I'll tell you what I sent you in a second. Well, what I just sent you was uh, just a screenshot of uh, New Jersey's uh, Association of Health PE Recreation Dance. If they have a state clinic, you should apply to speak. That's what I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that and that's getting directly into all the PE teachers, and then at the end, just be like, "Hey, you should bring me in." I don't know if you maybe you've done that already, but I've reached cool. out uh, to them, and I think their state conference, man, is it? No, I think uh, can't remember if it's in November, but I'm going to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, I I I think sometimes I don't know if you feel this way, Jim, but sometimes being so passionate it just intimidates people, it 100%. scares people. We think we're um, expressing ourselves in one way or communicating in one way, but they might look at us as rude, arrogant. Um, they just might feel that we are, you know, some people say, oh, they're threatened by you. I don't think they're threatened by us, but I think that sometimes it's just, uh, I'm not sure mean. what the words are. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. they are either, but I think, but it, it's, uh, let's see, we could probably analyze it through a yeah. neurocognitive perspective of like, 
it might be some sort of threat, if only because most people's days they're just in this sort of sedentary like dude, yes and all of a sudden all of a sudden there's Disrupted. energy in the room and it's yeah it's disruption that's exactly it disrupts it people uh, don't want to be to go through that kind of disruptive experience and, and i've you know um being a phys ed teacher myself like i have unfortunately found that many phys ed teachers not all but many are so in the comfort zone you know when i when i drive by the field it's like 20 kids are sitting in the bleachers. 20 kids are just walking on their phone. And then there's the other 20 playing. Well, that's a 66% failure to me. Enough. That's right. That's right. Right. And it's like, but you kind of like. If you were a math yeah. teacher and 66% of your kids weren't learning math, you, you would lose your job. You know, like that's just not how it works. You would be in serious trouble. You yeah. wouldn't have a job. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't have a job. So interesting how the very thing that is you said earlier, you got to take care of yourself. You know, these guys at MIT, um, even myself, like um, on a weekend, I like usually on a Sunday morning, I like to go and train early mm -hmm. um, because then I'm a better father and a better husband. I'm just a more pleasant person to be around. Yeah. To me, it's just my, it's a, like a therapeutic time for me. Yeah. So I just feel so much better when I do that. And I could just like, you know, I could only imagine if we had some sort of like, you've got this wellness program and it's mm -hmm. for students, not just athletes. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what it's about. We're, we're too much saying you play sport, you're here, you don't play sport, you don't come here. Right. Um, everybody could train like an athlete. Everybody could get strong. It just feels totally. awesome. It, like we, that's the thing about the human condition. Like we, these bodies that we are in, we're built to move. <laughs> It's an absolute yeah. truth. I got to listen. I'll, I'll forward you. Uh, the last podcast we had was with a woman named Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's out kind of your way. She's in Boston at Northeastern. She's okay. I'm really excited. She's a, now an advisor to the project. She's changing neuroscience. She's freaking brilliant. She's awesome. Uh, and one of the first lines uh, of our podcast was uh, she goes, um, our brains did not evolve to think, even though that's sort of like the way we consider it now. They evolved to move these vessels that we have around. They evolved to navigate our environment, and then we ha have added layers over many, many years. And uh, but, but it's but it's a super interesting thing. And the fact that we've sort of disregarded the thing uh, that was the key trigger for the evolution of our actual brain state is it's just completely counterintuitive. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I got to go back real quick to one thing that you said because sure. I saw it, and I don't want to call out any of the teams that we've ever worked with, but. Uh, talk about like empowering people to to go forward in like this this uh, resistance or or desire for comfort instead of uh, like ambition to be great and understanding that that requires some kind of stress and discomfort um, yeah. so that you can essentially recover and get better. Um, it reminds me of two very quick things. One is maybe now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been John Wellborn, maybe it was even you and John, but there's this there's this image of uh, like if you if there's a chick hatching from an egg. Have you heard this before? I did, yeah. And yeah. if the and, and you, like, mother help it helps it, well, no good. It dies, well, right? Or something. Well, if, if you are, if you're like an outside party, if like one of us were to like walk upon a bunch of chickens hatching, if you were to like help it out of its shell, you think yeah. you're doing it good, but by the time it like reaches the world, like the the breaking through, breaking out of the shell is part of its development. And like yes. if, it, if you take it out, like it can it can't even hold its freaking head up, and it dies. Yeah. Um, that, that, that reminds me in a kind of maybe a too dramatic sense to the story that I'm about to tell is we had a group who we had in our gym 
and had that environment like you like it was intense we were serious our ambition we we uh, we have a motto it's like train like a champion it doesn't happen on accident if you want that you got to train like that mm-hmm. um and and we go through it and this group who remain nameless um opted for a more comfortable environment they essentially asked their coach hey can we go train at the other campus with a with a different coach uh, yes. it's quiet it, literally it's quieter over there it's like blah, blah, all this stuff and i was like hey i'm not judging if you want that done let's make it happen but in yep. the back of my mind i'm like wow this is not a state championship team and right. I, I hate to be a jerk but they ended up in the state you know when, when it really mattered most losing to a team that they had beaten in the season when the pressure was off when the pressure was on they folded so sure, because I'm not success saying, is, you know, right. You can't, yeah, it's hard to say, right? But success yeah. is no accident. Right. And you want to be trained in uncomfortable situations so that when the discomfort comes, and it's coming in life, not just, 100%. it's not just, it's not just coming in sport, but um, it's, you're going to say, oh, it's another day at the office. My buddy Joe DeSena at Spartan, he goes, why do I start off my day with burpees? He goes, because it's uncomfortable. And he goes, when I do these burpees so often, whether I feel like it or not, he goes, when life is tough, I know I'm not going to quit because I know that I'm going to get through it. It's going to feel better when it's over. And yeah. he's like, he's tough. He's resilient. He, he just keeps charging ahead. And we're also, the, the tough thing with coaches and teachers, and it's I, I really um, – you know, commend the the sport coaches, especially if they have, if they're in their, even if they're in their thirties, these younger coaches, they realize the change that if you push a kid that you can get reprimanded, you could get sued. Um, you can be told that you, you might be accused of being mean, you know, quote unquote, he's mean to me. She's mean to me. She doesn't like me. He doesn't like me. And we're just working hard. We're, you know, we're working hard. I could, you know, uh, I graduated high school in 93, but every day I'm taking lessons that I learned from that wrestling room from 89 through 93. I mean, I'm, I'm taking lessons from the weight room, but I still take those lessons of the tough training that we had to go through, whether we felt like it or not. Yep. It trained me for a lifetime. And I always look at like, sometimes I'll come across a kid who won the States when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I see them now and I'm like, wow, you would never know, like completely out of shape, completely obese, like just looks like a mess. And I'm like, wow, where did, what happened? Where did something go wrong where the guy was once upon a time, just like a complete savage and then just got tired of it and sought and sought out the comfortable life. And I think there, I have a book by Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know if I could see it here, but uh, I think the name of the book is called the strenuous life. And, um, it's interesting to look back at like um, many of the presidents and the statesmen from decades ago. They would do things like boxing, wrestling, Hoover ball, right? President Hoover, you know, throwing the medicine ball as a volleyball game, um, taking a morning and evening walk, regular exercise. It, the old book, have you ever heard of the book The Way to Live by George Hackenschmidt? No. It's from like 19. 19- yeah. Yeah. I, it might I have be- heard of that. Yeah, it's it's probably around 1908, 1912, somewhere like that. So it's over 100 years old. But the way to live is such a simple approach, like wake up, getting this fresh air, take a walk, do some writing, eat a healthy breakfast, exercise 
every day, but like it was so matter of fact, mm-hmm. simple. And it's like, wow, man, hundred, you know, hundred years ago. And now my friend, um, Tom Venuto, who was one of the early guys to sell online training courses, his book is called burn the fat, feed the muscle. I seen him posting photos from, I guess, like the uh, supermarket stand. Mm-hmm. And there'll be like a magazine for women that'll say, uh, go keto, lose 17 pounds this week. So I'm going to lose 17 pounds. I don't know how many. That's like three, you know, it's uh, almost like two and a half pounds a day. He's like, what are, he's like, what are we selling yeah. nowadays? He's like, what we're selling extreme. We're selling shortcuts, you know. Wellburn always says, I can't wait for moderation to come back. Yeah. Meaning, what does moderation mean? Yeah. I consistently exercise. I consistently eat healthy. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the 80-20 rule. That's really moderation. It's not, you know, sometimes I do drugs, sometimes I don't. It's just you're not at this extreme of yeah. things. You're just really being healthy. And it's so you know, it's so simple. It's complicated. You know, that's what it is. That's it. We've referenced this before. I got I'm going to send you a couple books if you're okay with this. It's, uh, yes. there's one called it's, I'm, I might just send you the link to the video too. Yep. There's a book that we reference all the time. It's just a transcript from a speech. It's called, this is water. It's by David Foster Wallace. He gave a, a uh, the commencement speech at Kenyon college in, uh, 2005. And it's what it, college it, Canyon, uh, Kenyon, K E N Y O N. Yeah. A great, uh, where's that college? Book. It's in Gambier, Ohio. Okay, it's a never heard of it. School, um, and he, um, it's uh, it's called "This Is Water" because it starts with this anecdote about essentially a fish swimming through water. Not, it, it's always staring it directly in the face, but doesn't even recognize it's there. It's so often these like these small little he calls them banal platitudes in the book uh, that we just encounter every single day, and they're so regular that we disregard them. Which in this case, and what we're talking about, is just an, it's an absolute shame. So, yeah, but it sounds like you got your. It sounds like we know you got your ideas and thoughts together, and it's necessary work, man. And um, and, and we are both on the side of overall human development and performance. And then that, if that ends at a at a big bench press, it, you know, that's yeah, that's you're not really strong. Not enough. That's right. right. You're not. You're not really strong. Right. And um, you know where when I had first when I opened up my first warehouse location. I remember I trained a football player who was, he had the biggest lifts in the gym. He could squat, bench, and deadlift uh, more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But then he would do farmer walks and the weights would fly out of his hands or he would give up and get frustrated. And I remember um, the college coach was like, this guy trained with you? And I was like, yep, we trained him this summer. He's like, because... Uh, he can't make it through a practice. He's always hurt. He's always broken. He always gives up. And that's where I, I came up with like that theory or the philosophy of don't be strong and useless. Like don't just have the biggest bench press yeah. and you can't, you can't make it through a practice. So we're not just training them. When we look at the training, it's not like, okay, I'm not just training you, you know, the football saying of, Hey, every play is three and a half to eight seconds. So only train that kind of time frame. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the crazy shit going on in football practice? What about the rigors of a 12-week season? Yep. Or if you're in college, it's like a five-month season, maybe longer. We're training them for a lot of things beyond that. And um, it's like I try to like look at these mistakes that I made or like kids that I couldn't transform. 
And uh, so when I'm training, I'm always looking at what is, what, how does the strength transcend the gym? How can it transcend the gym? Because if it doesn't, then I failed. I just put it all on myself. That's, you know, extreme ownership. Extreme, I, I was about to say, fall. he's reading that book right now. Yeah, I just I put it, it on myself. I love it. Uh, Alex, lightning round questions. Those questions are you ready are for this? Yeah, it's good. Here we go. All right. Uh, what was your first job? Uh, first job was a paper route. Ooh, that's a good one. How old? Uh, I think I had that in third grade and then I got a second paper route when my bike got stolen. So it was one before and one after school because my dad, you know, it's interesting. I know it's lightning round, but I, if my son's bike was stolen, I'd probably be at the bike shop that day. My dad didn't say anything and was like, you know, he was obviously extremely angry, but my dad did not say one word about, I'll buy you a new bike. I was like, I just assumed I have to save up and buy another one. There you go. <coughs> um, what is your favorite restaurant local to you? Um, there's a place in town called uh, Blend on Main, and the guy, uh, Chef Lou, in fact, he cooks at the, at the baseball uh, fields where my son plays. And I always get uh, burgers, and I, he once got me a prime rib <laughs> at a baseball field. I mean, the guy's awesome. That's awesome. Um, first album you ever bought and first concert you ever went to? Wow. I don't know what the first – oh, actually, I remember, we're talking about like a, an actual record. Ooh. I bought the Bionic Man record from the US1 flea market for $1. Of course. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and then you said the first concert I ever attended, I believe was the summer of 93, uh, Lollapalooza rage against the machine. That's yep. And uh headliner was Alice in Chains. So it was pretty wild. Rage against the machine. 93 guys. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm not sure we've had a more fitting answer in terms of guests <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Usually people are embarrassed about their first concert, like nope. their parents. Are no, uh, <laughs> Bulls on Parade changed my life. <laughs> I remember like buying the cassette tape as soon as I got back. The, well, the next day I went went to Vintage Vinyl and bought the cassette tape for Rage Against the Machine. I had never heard their stuff before, but that became like my new favorite band back then. Was that? I don't mean to. I know it's lightning round too, but like, yeah. was, was that Evil Empire? Which which stage was? Uh, right, no, it had the Bulls on Parade and yeah, uh, with that like yeah. superhero kid on the front. I can't remember. It was a cassette tape, uh, but man, it was. I I wore that tape out, man. Before I had a CD player in my car. Love it. It's interesting. I actually also saw Rage Against the Machine at Lollapalooza, but did you many really? many years later, like, New York. Two, yeah, I, think I saw them in two thousand and ten. At Lollapalooza, still wow, got still got it. It was awesome. Now it's like uh, that guy Zach has like a couple bands, and I've been playing on Pandora. I think I don't know if uh, it's called Prophets of Rage. Yeah, it's a band. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I like that. It's, yeah, it's definitely got a lot of the same flavors to it. Yes. Um, if you had thirty minutes to work out and access to any equipment, what would you do? Well, let's say I'm fully healthy and nothing on my body hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I. I would be doing uh, squats, deadlifts, um, farm, some sort of a carry, uh, sprinting, and um, I would definitely be doing calisthenics and throwing stuff. I would be throwing medicine balls 
and, and I'd probably, you know, clean and press and throw stones. And uh, so I would need a barbell, a squat rack, a medicine ball, um, or a stone to throw. And my preference would be that it's, I'm not actually in a gym. I'm like out in like a driveway or like just outside somewhere scaring people. <laughs> uh, if you were not in this field, what would you be doing? Man, that is a tough question. If I was not in the strength and conditioning field, um, I would be working. I feel like I would definitely have to work with people. Um, this is a tough question. I'm not sure what the heck I would be doing. I would, I would be part of a team and something that involves outdoors. You know, maybe I've been seeing like people take these trips, I guess, through like the Colorado River and Grand Canyon, like. To me, like being in some sort of like uh, arena like that and just having experiences with people would be pretty darn awesome. I don't know if I would be taking them on hunting or rafting trips. I don't have any of those skills, but <laughs> if I was Rambo, that's what I'd be doing. I like it. All right, last one. Um, advice from yourself, a leader to a future leader hoping to embark on a similar journey? I would say in your younger years, not that everybody's getting married or having kids, but in those younger years when you have this freedom, then be willing to sleep in your car. Be willing to drive across the country. In fact, be willing to have no apartment, take your money, buy a, a crappy RV, fix it up, travel around the country, attend seminars, record everything, put it on YouTube and Instagram, create gatherings where you're meeting up with people and just record the whole thing and create a movement from it and learn how to run an online business while you're driving around in this RV, you know, living the dream and go to like awesome places all around the country, like experience life. Don't be that cheap person, which is a mindset. It's not a money thing. Um, don't be that, that, uh, you know, or broke is a mindset. Cheap is like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to spend the money on that. I want everything free. Like, do it, man. Like, work while you're traveling that RV. You know, go into a restaurant and say, can I clean? Can I be a busboy? Can I clean dishes? Can I be a wait? Like, figure out how to make money, but experience this country at the very least and drive around. And if you got to do it alone, do it alone. If you got a friend or two that'll do it with you, even better. Uh, I, I accept that advice. I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Rev up the We're RV. Right now. I'm going to, uh, I told my son, I, I said, Ethan, when you're like 14 or 15, we got to do a cross country trip. We got to get an RV, put the mountain bikes on the back, take the fishing poles, travel around. He loves baseball. We'll go to like baseball places. We'll yeah. go to spring training. Let daddy find old school gyms to do his, you know, meathead thing and just, you know, sleep on the roof of the RV and look at the stars and just, and just, you know, experience life. So I'm excited for that trip. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, Hey, listen, if, if, uh, if it happens, when it happens, know that Wrigley field is a pretty classic I know. place Chicago. to watch baseball and you are, uh, you're definitely invited. It, gotta, isn't it the uh, only place, place where they have, they still change the score by hand. They have to, is it the only one still? Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. Amazing. It's a unique experience. The Ivy on the wall, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a 
cool place. We got a spot for you if you if you guys come by. Spot to lift, spot to stay, whatever you need. We got you. Absolutely, man. I love it. I'm telling you, I'm I planned this thing out. I've been talking about it with him for two years. He just turned uh, ten, so uh, I'm excited. That's awesome, man. That's yep. Nothing. Okay. Um, all right. Well, listen. Thanks for your time today, man. Thanks, uh, guys. You are you're welcome back anytime. I hope we do get the chance to talk about ideas in the near future. Yes, we um, have to, no doubt. For sure. No, and, and just publicly, we want to thank you for, for all the work you do. Like you said, your your wife acknowledged that one kid, that it was really clear that you changed his life. I think the truth of coaching is you. if you work with 100 kids, you might have uh, a direct response you know, or, or some sort of direct proof that you changed one. But you, can, you have to imagine you had some kind of incredibly positive effect on all of them. Um, and then what I'm most excited about, because you got you have like a talk about culture, you've got something set up that's so cool. That kid is going to go on to influence other people, and your influence will continue to ripple out. And that's uh, that's how that's we're going to turn goal. this whole thing around, man. So nice, thanks, guys. Let's stay in touch, Jim. Absolutely, man. We'll talk. Soon. All right, guys. Take See you guys out. later. Bye. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.